Hello everyone, um, welcome back to Doctor Who and Autism Celebrations. Um, in today's episode, I am joined with another podcast, um, which is going to be cool um, because you, you've got two podcasts here, so you just ain't got one, you've got two. <laughs> so it, it, it's going to be really fun. Um, and Twin Dilemma podcast, um, if I've got that right, guys. Um, that I'm is doing, correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and <laughs> got over and, the first hurdle. Yeah, yeah. I, I got it in one. Um, and yeah, we're going to be speaking about Doctor Who, uh, neurodiversity, all that kind of stuff. Um, as we head into the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, which is which is awesome. It's really fun. But uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves, um, Ben and Joe. So Ben, do you mind introducing yourself first? Hello, I'm Ben. I'm one half of the Twin Dilemma podcast, and I love Doctor Who. Feels like an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, but <laughs> it, that's, you know, that's why we're here. We love Doctor Who. I got slight um, weakest link vibes from that. Oh, you know, <laughs> yes, yes. I Okay, I'm going to introduce myself. I, would, I don't want a tangent already, um, <laughs> but I'm Joe. I am the second half of the Twin Dilemma. I don't really like that I've become the second half in the last 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> that's that's me. Um, but no, I also love Doctor Who. We both love Doctor Who. We were raised with Doctor Who. You know, we. I have no definitive earliest memory of it. It's always been there. So just yeah, from child, just from birth, yeah, from birth, um, yeah. So that's us. Well, thank you guys for coming on today. Um, thank you for inviting us. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's gonna be fun. Um, uh, yeah. So I guess I'll start off with, um, you both were born with Doctor Who. Uh, what is your earliest memory of Doctor Who? So. Yeah, like I said, we we don't, or I don't want to speak for both of us here, but I don't have a definite earliest memory. Um, what I do remember is that we were excited for it coming back in 2005, um, at which point we were five years old. So we had had exposure to it before then. So that's, you know, maybe three years old, four years old. Um, we're 23 now so you know the memories get more distant as it goes on in terms of what order they appear in in our lives and stuff like that um but one of my earliest memories is actually watching the first episode of destiny of the daleks um which is a tom baker story um not one of the best actually uh, in retrospect but um yeah, I just there's this scene of the in the cliffhanger of the wall, this wall shaking violently, and all the Daleks burst through, and I think oh, it's just the so tension much. of that moment that makes me remember it. I don't know. I also remember watching the TV movie a hell of a lot as well because that was the most new Doctor Who at the time. Yeah, that was mm. good, wasn't it? TV movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good one for. Um, it's unique it's why it's it's its own thing and um yeah i think that was another one of the reasons why i liked it at the time um yeah what about you ben i don't know if you your answer is any different or um yeah yeah i mean this is a bit of a niche one actually but my first memory of doctor who is actually the arc the william hartnell story um 
so I just remember seeing the monoids on screen and they've got these this they've got this one eye in the middle of their head basically how they did it is they had a pin a ping pong ball and they would paint an eye on it and then they put it in their mouths and then they had this big wig that covered all their their nose and their eyes and i just remember thinking oh my god these things are actually terrifying like i'm actually like i actually find these things like i don't know if you're allowed to swear on this podcast but flipping scary all right and um uh yeah I mean, looking back on it, you know, it's it it wasn't scary. Like, I feel like wow. when you're a kid, you 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 look at the terrible special effects and things like that a lot a lot differently, and you, you sort of appreciate it for what it is rather than you know the visuals and stuff. Fear but, of the unknown, something you've never seen before. Well, you're like, well, yeah, God, exactly. that looks weird. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's my memory. I, I mean, I must have been like three years old or something ridiculous. I mean. Yeah, our dad had all the VHS video Doctor Who's, so we um we sort of spent the first part of our life watching those. So yeah, yeah, it's good, very good memories. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah, that may be a bit of a, a elaborate answer there. I feel like we went on a whole sort of monologue about it. I got I got a bit nostalgic about it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, my earliest memories was um, watching the the revival episode actually, um, the Rose one. Um, mm. uh, the, that that was my first memory of it um, when it aired, and I was. Did you watch it from two thousand five then, or did you? Yeah. How when did you get into it? Two thousand five exactly. I I watched it when it came on. Um, I mm. might have watched the first episode. I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure because my brother got me into it. He said you should watch Doctor Who. It's good. You'll like it. I was like, all right, I'll watch it. Um, and then ever since then, I haven't stopped. So I, I yeah, I, from 2005 onwards, petrified as a kid of all these different things. The the monsters that petrified me at that time, which now like you guys say, now you look back, they're not scary. But when you're watching mm. it, they are. So, like the the, the girl in the fireplace, the clockwork monsters under the bed. Oh but, my but, yeah. god, I had yeah. so many nightmares yeah. about the clockwork monsters when I was a yeah. young whippersnapper. So I was petrified. I always had to look under the bed. Um, oh yeah, check that yeah. they're there. Um, yeah, I had that with my window and um my bedroom window and the gelf from series one i'd always <laughs> be looking out my window and i just thought that her face would just be there the face of that woman yeah it's just terrifying yeah. so haunting <laughs> yeah like that was a petrifying one um another one was the dolls and uh night in terror um mm. they, they were quite i was a bit older by then but they still freaked me out <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, they were scary, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think with that one, it's also a thing of the house um, in the the setting um, of that, that sort of doll's house. Um, and this, all the sort of... Uh, the elements of that, the alien in a, in a very sort of creepy way. Um, I guess what I mean by that is you got, like, all the fake house... Um, the wooden chicken. ...things... Like yeah, like a like a teapot that's like that has no hole in it and like stuff like that. I don't know if that's an even an example, but it's stuff along those lines of like appliances in the house that 
that are like fake because they're in the doll's house and their slow realization of that is just really creepy to me as well yeah so creepy petrifying um i got to the stage when we got to the waters of mars uh it got to a stage where uh <laughs> I, I i remember watching that episode i remember i think it was my mum, my dad my brother we were watching it at easter i think it was around it might have been easter time it might be a bit later on in the year but watching it and um knowing it was going to be one of david Tennant's last episodes um and watching the water creatures and all i'll be saying is if i drink water that can happen to me, um, and no, and and that, and I was thinking, <laughs> I was petrified a bit. I was thinking, I can't drink water now. Can't if I drink water. <laughs> if I drink water, look, look, you see what happens on on there. Like yeah. I, I don't want to be one of those creatures and like do that all that. Dude, that <laughs> does that, that explain the Vimto? Sorry, Ben. I, I just <laughs> have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, before this we were. <laughs> Yeah. He showed us his Vimto and uh, he was drinking. We had a little, we had a little talk about yeah. how Vimto is good. So it's a little hark back to that. It's all gone now. Yeah, it's all gone, gone now. It's all gone. Um, it's that good. But yeah, that <laughs> petrified me, and it got to a stage I think where I went to the doctors. <laughs> um, I got to, oh, no. to the, I got to to the doctors because I was always asking. Um, Am I gonna be okay all the time? And um it, it it affected me I don't know, it just affected me as a kid that I actually thought these things were gonna happen. Like because mm. it, it was scary. Doctor Who is traumatizing, confirmed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but... no, that sounds like a real psychological hurdle actually. Yeah. Because water mm-hmm. is, you know, is pretty it's fundamental. Pretty yeah, it's more fun it's as fundamental as it gets in terms of, you know, necessity bare necessity for our survival so yeah having to overcome a psychological hurdle related to your ability to consume it is yeah that is something and the fact that you have a healthy relationship with doc two today in spite of that is is quite admirable my friend (laughs) (laughs) but i think the way it's progressed from then to now i say doctor is not as scary as it used to be um I, I, like interesting um i think the way it affects me at least i it may mm. be as part scary but looking back i think it's best when it is when these scary mm. episodes when the past episodes are the best i love the historic ones um like if it makes you scared i like that scare factor well, i didn't as a kid but uh, <laughs> in general i think it's good. yeah well, I mean, I still, I still watch the waters of Mars, and I'm still scared of the waters of Mars. I find it scary, man. Me too, actually. Yeah, yeah, me too. And, um, and you know, I was because go- I was gonna say, you know, that's part of growing up, isn't it? You don't find Doctor Who scary anymore, but you can rationalize. Yeah, exactly. But honestly, there are some stories where, yeah, I still am like, this is maybe I'm not, not like, you know, hiding behind a a blanket or a pillow or something, but I'm, I'm like, yeah, this, I. Yeah, this is scary. Like, you know, things that come to mind, you know, Waters of Mars, Blink. Um, Blink. It's not that panicked fear it, as an adult. It's more that feel, that feeling of unsettlement, feeling mm. a, a bit unsettled by the sight of something or the vibe of something um, yeah. when you're watching it. And I think the Waters of Mars does 
evoke that feeling because I guess because there's a lot of things that you would see in in scarier more severe horror you know in the real horror genre things like convulsions like how their bodies sort of convulse as they turn into um the flood um it's it's creepy stuff it's creepy stuff it is it is yeah um when you go to a garden center don't drink the water oh god yeah (laughs) don't eat eat the carrots carrots, yeah and if you Um, see someone eating a carrot run yeah Yeah. just stay away yeah yeah um like you speak about the weeping angels there was a sort of i went to the 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 doctor who experience as a kid it was when matt smith was a doctor in london Mm -hmm. and the weeping angels appeared in this big hall that they weren't like close to your face but you know like when they're like broken and they don't look properly like a weeping angel um so they're there and i'm going through it and i say i say to my parents i say don't blink don't blink um and they thought i was joking um so me being me um doesn't blink the whole time i don't blink the whole time (laughs) um i'm i walk i look at them like that like they do like you're supposed to yeah and and I get to the end um, and I say, did you blink? And they was like, no, no, no. They said, yeah, I did blink. Uh, and then they me. But I was, I was serious. I weren't, I weren't joking about it. I was very serious, like petrifying these serious. Just in case. Yeah. Just in yeah, case. Just in case. But um, yeah, the, the blink episodes, weren't the scare uh, for me it, it weren't as scary as the Cutworth monsters but um they are very scary villains. yeah yeah no definitely mm-hmm. and well i think they do get less scary with the amount of times we see them it's quite an interesting phenomenon yeah the more you see the weeping angels the less scary they get but um that first episode yeah it was it was um as a seven-year-old i was like petrified yeah yeah. It's like you can't not blink. I mean, there comes a time where you have to blink. And I think that's part of why it's it works on a psychological level. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. it's that thing of like, you could probably not blink for quite a long time. But all that time, um, you're thinking, oh my God, I shouldn't blink. Oh my God, I shouldn't blink. And the longer that duration of time goes on, the more you feel an urge to blink. So it's that sort of rise in tension of, oh my God, I'm going to blink. Oh my God, I'm going to blink. You know, they brought and back that fear. Scary, man. They, they brought back that fear in deep breath. I don't know if you remember in with the with the uh, clock, the clock, actually, yeah, the clockwork yeah, monsters back. came back. Yeah, they did. Um, and yeah, they were like, yeah, don't breathe. It was just don't breathe. If you yeah. breathe, they're going to know you're there kind of thing. Yeah. And right. that to me actually was like, oh my God, like I can't, that's like, especially as one of like my biggest fears is drowning, and like the thought of holding your breath like for that long. Also, you you ha- you said you have that thing where you forget how to breathe. I don't know if you get this, yes. Mason. I don't personally, but you say you have this this anxiety sometimes where you feel like you don't know how to breathe. I do. I'm quite an anxious person in general, but it's 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 sort of like. Yeah, I hyperfixate on breathing so much that I forget how to actually breathe. Okay. <laughs> and so I sort of get in a little panic. I'm like, oh my God. Okay, how do I breathe? But then obviously it like comes back, you know, you it's your natural yeah. bodily function. Maybe maybe that's because maybe you're you're thinking, um, 
about the water maybe and you're 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 thinking that you may drown um maybe that it's maybe like i don't know a trauma could be connected for, for, yeah yeah it, it might be connected to that um because mm. i it's, it's not the same but as a kid it kind of links back to dot two i guess but i was always scared or i always i would always ask people if i'm okay um like, I'm not gonna die if I do this, if I do that. Um, and it was also like, it was. I was also fearful of that. I was fearful I was gonna die or or something. It and it may have been. I didn't think it was connected to Doctor Who, but it might have been connected to Doctor Who because a lot of death goes on. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, drowning is like. Let's it, be honest. Let's be honest. It's that is a really bad way to die. Um, mm. I think. Um, yeah, I think any way to die. I mean, I do... <laughs> we're going quite a dark direction. <laughs> yeah, we're going, we're going dark. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's do it. Let's let's explore it. Let's get dark. <laughs> yeah. So any any way to die that is sort of interruptive in a sense or unnatural. So. So any any death that is not a natural death. So I would even call death by illness uh, to some extent a natural death um, or, you know, old age, sort of fragility. But, you know, anything that's like something is infiltrating and and sort of cutting the cord, pulling the plug out the socket is is a horrible way to die, whether it's dr- drowning or burning to death or you're hit by a train or, you know, you don't want any of those sort of causes of death that feel quite severe and to bring it back and sudden to to doctor who yeah exactly this is it a lot of a lot of what is scary in doctor who is people people dying before their time you know people uh, that are just walking along the street and zap they get they get exterminated or or you know taken away by a weeping angel or something and you know none of us want to die and i think that is the that's the bottom line <laughs> when it comes to fear in general but but also fear yeah. in, in Doctor Who. I I think with Weeping Angels, it's actually not a bad thing. Like I look at it in a sense that, hang on a minute, you're getting to transport into a time that's in the past. Isn't that great? But in a sense that maybe mm. everyone... Oh, no, we are getting dark here, but um, if so, let's say... <laughs> Again. <laughs> let, 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 let's say everyone... In our family, we're the last left. Let's let's say we're the last person standing, and then we see okay. a weeping angel, yeah. and then we think, why not? Let's go to nineteen twenty-eight. Let's see what happens, or or something. Because that's what the weeping angels do. They zap you back mm. in time, and then you you can live your life there. Maybe, maybe that's not as bad thing about it. But I think fear and death. It's just a natural thing. I think we probably all think, think about it at some point in our lives because we all know it's going to happen one day. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Exactly. And I think the thing with the with the weeping angels is um, the fear there is actually is not death um, that that people are are, are scared of, uh, or that's not what it's playing on. It's it's almost like death that you have to live with because you die in the essence of you lose your life and all its elements and all, all that you've built up to that point, all the friends you've made, you know, etc. You don't lose everything. You don't lose the skills you learn, I suppose, or things like that. But but you lose, you lose Doctor Who. You lose Doctor Who. I mean, if you get Zap back to, 
1921 you don't have doctor who yeah um but you also don't have anyone you know and and a lot of things that you've Uh built or associate and call your life so yeah that that's pretty scary as well but then the writers are leading with the assumption there that that you're going to care about those things or or that there's not going to be some part of you that is a bit of an escapist or you know wouldn't mind the idea of just starting again you know a lot of people do you strike me as that kind of person mason you would uh you would like to just get zapped back in time and just explore yeah yeah it would be nice uh, it'd be nice we could just zap there zap back yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it'd be nice like a tardis yeah yeah yeah. um (laughs) but uh, it's like we're speaking about all these kind of things like the weeping angels like the like not breathing there's another one about not thinking with the tether um and, oh, of and um and i can't think I, I think that might be harder than the other two um because at least with yeah. uh, with breathing you can hold your breath you have a little time maybe before they will get you and then with blinking you can actually do that but with thinking you're always thinking about something you're not I'm not thinking. thinking yeah 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 my brain's way too busy to be able to to do that honestly like, yeah. that would be a, a, a struggle yeah i personally always i've i've tried also to to not think about things before and i think a lot of people have tried to not think about something just from a place of curiosity oh, let me try and not think about it especially as a kid let me try and not think about it, this sort of thing um and it, it, you always fail so i think it's also scarier because of that it feels so futile you feel like i definitely can't not think about something but i've never been put in a situation where i have to hold my breath underwater for a certain amount of time in a survival situation or not blink in a survival situation so it's like you're like ah i could survive that maybe probably not but with the not thinking it's like i've tried this before i can't not think about something you know (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, it, it it's crazy. Like, and then if you if you if you and then you just get fried, <laughs> your brain gets fried. That's so yeah, I know your brain liquefies. It's just not it's not ideal. No, yeah, it is next level that one. No, um, but with swimming, Ben in school, did you do swimming? Um, is that how like your kind of anxious kind of thing started? Because I know in swimming, you can they tell you to hold your breath under the water for a period of time. Mm. I did I did swim in school I, I'm not a particularly strong swimmer I can stay afloat for a short period of time um but yeah no I I, I did struggle in swimming I don't it's it's, it's just always been a, a thing in my life really just I don't like water I don't like water and so that waters of Mars episode yeah freaked me out obviously but what um, about in the uh in the shower do you, do you, does water even uncomfortable Ooh, in those sort okay, of mundane? This is, this is a good point because when I really don't like when the shower is like on my face because mm, I feel I like, like I like can't well. breathe. Oh, okay. I feel like I can't breathe. So, um, I, so I yeah, I suppose it does play into that a little bit. That's, that's interesting. Um, I don't really know why because it's, you know, I'd like drinking water. I like, you know, I like, uh, <laughs> I like having a bath every so often. 
But yeah, no, yeah. it's just something about like not being able to breathe the under place the place where you breathe. Yeah, there's a lot of anxiety around that. I think so. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, um, like yeah, it, it is very interesting that um, even like in the shower, uh, you feel like like yeah. Um, is that every time or every every so often? Yeah, no, literally, I just don't. I don't. If I need to like wash my face, I'll do it in the sink or something. Like you know. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't. Oh, yeah. I I can't. I can't deal with. It's it's the is that it's because... the feeling of not gone. Sorry, gone. Go no, 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 go, no, go. no, no, no. Okay. I was just. Oh, yeah, gone, gone. <laughs> <laughs> We've been to British twins. That's nice. That's, that's twin yeah. mentality. Yeah. mentality. Yeah. Twin mentality. Yeah. Um. No, I oh, I remember what I was going to say. So yeah, for for me, it's also a case of so. I have long hair, as you can see. I know the listeners can't see that, but um, I have a long hair. Um, it goes down to probably about the bottom of my neck, I would say. Um, so not like super long, but anyway, yeah, I have the same thing when I um, when I wash my hair in the shower. Um, I can't. I have to wash my hair with my head down, not up, because if I, it's up, then the water's going in my face, and I feel I feel smothered. Um, but if I have my head down, it's like my hair is still in my face. So you'd expect, you know, with a solid object in front of my face, I'd feel more claustrophobic. But mm. I think it's that sensation of the water. And I think the thing that comes to my mind with Doctor Who is is water always wins in that scene where the water is sort of breaching the airlock. And it is that feeling of like water can sort of get in anywhere. And you know, mm. it's a bit of like a weird. Oh, what if it gets in my ear and like goes in my what? body and like, I just don't like that. Water it is sort waits. of. A, a, it, yeah. it just waits. It just yeah. waits. Water always yeah. wins. That shower's waiting for me tomorrow morning. It's a sensation thing, yeah. Like you were saying, it's like a sort of overstimulus. It's a bit too much, and like I get too hyperfixated on whether I'm able to breathe when there's water, like. Does it, on my face. if you so if you watch like it obviously has but to say if you watch the videos like the water from mars does it really make you really does it make you think about that more and does it make you more anxious than you already are um yeah i mean with the waters of mars it, there is an element of that but i think it's less about sort of drowning sort of being able to breathe in water kind of vibe so it's it's less of a fear i get so much fear out of watching those air crash investigation documentaries <laughs> about airplanes that have crashed in sea and i'm like oh my god that is actually terrifying like that mm. is my worst nightmare does so on the other side does going in an airplane petrify you as well because the potential risk of it crashing and potentially going in the sea does that does that kind of stuff come on your mind as well yeah i hate flying i hate flying it's it's just something i have to put up with because i actually like going to other countries and exploring but um yeah i hate flying it's it's just... we're going on a flight aren't we we um... are we're going to new york on saturday and uh yeah i'm I, i'm not looking forward to it well i'm looking forward to it in new york but not not yeah. it's an eight hour right over the ocean like the whole time Do you know what it is though once you're in the air <laughs> once you're in the air it's okay it's all right but it's it's that fear while you're taking off and when you're landing yeah. and all this yeah because you're going yeah. up like this and then 
And then so yeah. Yeah, and they do all this thing where they're tipping yeah. the plane around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, I'm like, no, just fly. Just go. I don't need to be getting this <laughs> cool panoramic view of where we're flying from. Just leave. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a few Doctor Who locations in America as well. So you might spot you you might spot a few. Um stumble upon a few of them, yeah. yeah you, you might spot exactly. a few. We're actually going to do a um a podcast special in New York, um, live oh. from New York, um, of the Angels Take Manhattan, um, um, just because I don't know personally, I just I'll find any excuse to do like this is a special episode for like X or Y reason, like any reason to just do label an episode as it's this one rather than just are we reviewing this episode this week or blah, 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 we're doing this this week um so yeah i just i saw going there as an opportunity to capitalize this is on the that. new york special yeah 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 <laughs> no live from uh, new york <laughs> hell yeah 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 um so with planes and stuff like would you both ever do a skydive or have you done a skydive Mm, i have never done a skydive um i i feel like i would for the sake of experience um but i probably would find it terrifying i'm also quite in touch with the fact that i know that i have no actual idea really of of how i would respond in that situation it's such an it's so unfamiliar in every sense really that i don't know if i would be scared or just go numb i don't know if i'd be scared in an excited way or just think i'm gonna do it and then get up there and just bail despite spending loads of money on it and stuff or yeah you just don't i think i i just feel like i wouldn't know how i'd react but i wouldn't be one of those people that would just say no to the idea completely from a place of fear and uncertainty the uncertainty in the and especially the extremity of it um, would would actually lead me to to want to do it. I think more mm. personally. Yeah. Mm. Um, I am living proof that twins are not the same. Uh, I would hate to go skydiving. Uh, that is my worst nightmare. Um, I just do you know what it is, right? I just don't like the feeling of not being in control. I don't like roller coasters really because I can't stop and get out when I want to. You know, I don't really like being a passenger in a car. I'll I'll put up with it, but like you know, I don't like not being able to be like, all right, I'm done. I'll clock out now. You know, so and skydiving is like once you're out of the plane, you know, there's no going back in the plane. You're done. Also, I feel like it's not as as commonplace as say going on a plane from here to another country um it's something that happens less there's so there's less sort of you know so many planes have crashed so many things have gone wrong with a plane flight a regular plane flight and therefore humanity has had more opportunity to refine that process and reduce the risk factors and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but with skydiving it's been done less so you know things are going to go wrong more and that that thing of it being refined like i said with the plane plane flights is just has happened less i suppose so you do hear of things just going wrong like a parachute doesn't 
open properly. Yeah. 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 How about uh, you, Mason? Would you uh, would you skydive? Um, <laughs> I have um skydived. You have. Um. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did it last year. Um, for my birthday. Um, and I done it, and I jumped out the plane. Um. Oh ta- my god. Tandem, of course. I wouldn't do it on my own. Um. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. connected to someone. Um. And it's nothing like a roller coaster or anything like that. Um. It's the opposite. So I was I was petrified. Um. So I was the first off the plane. Um. And last down. So I'm I'm going um. I'm going on the plane last to jump off first. Um. And it was great. Uh. But so you if you get it recorded, um. You'll get like a camera person on the wing of the plane. Um, jumping off the wing. So while you're doing your free full dive, um, they're in front of you. Like it's like you're virtually stopped. Um, and you can actually take your hands off the straps. Um, because the thing is, when you're going off, you have to hold yourself like this. Um, or how would how they want you to hold yourself? And you can't move. You've got to keep very still. If you move, you could break a bone. Um. Um. So what, why is that? What what, what's the, what would cause that G-force? No, like because you're going over 150 miles an hour, um, and you go. It doesn't seem as fast when you're doing it because you might go swing around like this, um, and then yeah. But the thing that helped me is um. I don't when I'm holding on because you have to put a legs between the person's legs who's doing the skydive, um, and you have to um listen. Like because when when you're in there, they give you a signal when it all stops. So it don't last that long the uh the free fall because after the free fall, you basically you, you parachutes out and uh, you're just gliding. You're gliding down. Um, and it, to me, I was I was knackered. I guess because I was holding on for dear life and um <laughs> I had to sleep when I got down. Um. But yeah, it, that it, must have felt so surreal though. Once you got on the ground and you're like, "Oh my god, I've done it! I've yeah. actually done it!" I have a video; it's all recorded and little pictures and and everything. Amazing! Um, wow. Can I can I just ask? Yeah, you know, I know that um, one of the focuses of your podcast is autism awareness, um, and that and that you have ASD, and you know, I know I know one of the um symptoms or or one of the things with with autism is is uh being more like sensitive to sensation and i don't know if that's like um relative to the individual if there's certain sensations that like one autistic person wouldn't would feel uncomfortable with or be a bit more triggering for and then some others would have different ones but you know did you think about that did you think you know am I going to be more overwhelmed by this than the average person or have an adverse reaction to this potentially in some way? Or, um, I kind of felt it might have, something like that might have happened, like, especially in the plane. I don't like crowded mm. places. I, I don't like close contact. And you go in a small plane. And one of the reasons I wanted to go last was maybe because of my autism and also because of my Crohn's, which makes me an immunocompromised uh, due to the drugs I take for that. So... I had to be careful in that sense. 
Um, so I'm last on, but that means I'm first out. Um, and I was, uh, when I was in the air, I, I said, is my heart supposed to be beating this fast? Because I've never done it before and it beat it ever far. I never beat it fast in my life. Um, so right, yeah. say you feel wow. your heart is going duh, 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 so fast. So fast. Wow. Um, and God, was, such an unnatural uh, thing, that speed and that. And, oh, and it came to the stage where I thought, oh, if I was in the air, if I was free falling any longer, I would have passed down. That, 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 mm. that, that is where it came to the point. I was so glad. And then when I got to the ground, God. eventually, you had to put your legs out in front of your waist. And that has to be in front of your waist. If they're not in front of your waist, your legs are broke. Um, so... Um, I, that had to be done, and then when I'm to the ground, people were thinking, um, I'm I'm pale as a sheep, um, so um, I think I'm so pale. And wow. once you've done it, they say to you, you're gonna be hungry, you're gonna want to eat, you have to eat sugar, you have to, you want to, you you're gonna be so hungry, even though even if you've had food just before, you've done it. Um, so that sense, um, I mean, I don't like people touching me, like in general. So I I don't like hugging people. Well, it's kind of you are. It's almost like you are hugging the person on you in a way because they're yeah. I was gonna say like because um, like you're compressed. Tan- you've got you're like a got a tandem. I was yeah. gonna say, but how did that affect um I, with like stimulus kind of vibe? Yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't like it because I had to get because it had to be right weather to do it. I was all attached, all ready to go, and then I had to come off again because the weather weren't right they have to they want it to be really good weather um mm. and one thing because I, I was anxious one thing before i went i went to someone at uh, another tandem and i said what is the best thing about a skydive um and do you know what they said they said uh surviving um and <laughs> in, in my mind i was thinking I hope I, I hope I don't know if that's a joke or not. I don't know if you're being serious. Um, because <laughs> of course that's another thing with autism. Yeah, some of us may not take jokes. I I do take jokes. I'm I'm sarcastic. Uh, myself, but when I was younger, I wasn't that. I was I took things to heart. Um, a lot of the time. Um, no one liked Doctor Who when I was younger <laughs> at my school. Um, honestly, so. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so I only since maybe a couple of years ago, found loads of people like it. But yeah, that that skydive experience was good. It's not like a roller coaster. The guy at the tandem actually says that to you. He says, "Don't treat it like a roller coaster because in a roller coaster, like you're on, you're on that for fun. This ain't a roller coaster. We've got to look after each other. Like we just mm. have to look after it." And I did do a, an indoor one a few years beforehand. Um, so. Right. I had it's nothing like it really, but in a sense to maybe the winds, the gale force of it all. Um, zero yeah. gravity kind of thing was it? Um, zero yeah. gravity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the dome where you just swaying round and yeah, and, yeah. and you can't yeah. move. You can't. So let's say you're in the air in the actual skydive. You can't. If you get anxious, you can't do this. You you can't move at all. Um, you've got to be really yeah. still. You've got to be really still. Um. And that could be hard if you've got mm. if you if you're neurodivergent or not. Um, it, it, yeah, it's terrible. It's... I I think it's also the thing where you say about the speed and your heart racing. I can imagine, you know, the body is all communicating with itself. 
So your mind's going to be doing the same thing. It's going to have that, your thought is going to have that pace. Um, and yeah, it's hard not to move erratically when a sudden thought can trigger that potentially or, or something along those lines. Um, but what what something you said that really interested me, Mason, was um, about the energy depletion when you when you reach the floor and, and having to eat because generally speaking when we think about energy depleting we think you know time significant time is required in order to do that you know breakfast lunch and dinner these are all things that are sort of embedded in our concept of normality so and these they there is a sort of set normal amount of time in between those two things and that's all based on when our energy is depleted throughout the day and we need to eat to regain it so the idea of sort of you know how i don't know how long a skydive takes but however long that is you know what a, a matter of minutes that amount of energy being taken out of you is just one of the more bizarre things about it in light of you saying that it's just something that i realized yeah it's bizarre i mean in in I think and maybe in Ben's point of view here, um, if he, uh, I don't want to speak for you, but I wonder if, because one thing they do say when you do a skydive is not to hold your breath. Don't hold your breath because it'll, 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 it'll be quite dangerous. I wonder if if you did do that, um, I know you said you, you probably wouldn't. But, get hyperfixated, yeah. You'll get hyperfixated on holding your breath because you'll think that may help you. Um, yeah. but, but because you're falling, but it, it, it can make you like that, like holding your breath. But really, um, it can be, I guess, one of the worst things when doing a skydive to uh <laughs> to hold it. But the, yeah. the cool thing is, you know, when you're doing the free fall, you got your you got your goggles on, you're just looking at the clouds. You go through a cloud, I did, um, and then you get you get looking around and <laughs> through a cloud. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I saw yeah, I went through a cloud, like I saw it and look and then I'm at the other side. Um oh, I'm I'm sure I went round maybe I don't think I went upside down, but I might have gone round my side. Um but um I can send you the video and you can have a look. Um, or the video I had of me. Do do. Yeah. Um, but speaking of skydives, the tenth doctor done it. Not like me, but the green screen and CGI and that. But um, yes, he did. Uh, yes. Um, in the uh, end of time. Yeah, in the end of time. Um, yeah. I wonder if he's Maybe. actually done one. <laughs> Maybe you never know. You never know. He seems like it. Um the type in terms of character the david tennant you know Not for anything, like the, yeah yeah not the type also yeah. he probably had the opportunity to he's probably met a wide range of characters in, in his sort of you know acting is an in exotic life you meet a lot of other actors very interesting individuals and sometimes they inspire you to like take up those things as well they do they do um but um you know with the silence um they scared me a little bit as well um, because it was all leading up with the silence will fall when the, when the question is asked. And we've always wondered what that was in series five because we, we were clueless. Like, we didn't know who the silence was. Uh, me and me and me just thought it was nothing. It's the silence. It's a bit quiet. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, it was this just creature that 
you can't about memory. If, if you look away, you've forgotten it. And that, I think that's a really mm. good creature to have in Doctor Who because, like, unlike the Weeping Angels, it's one off and it's more scary when it's a one off um, because it's it's just there. I I really yeah. like how the yeah. silence were based off of that uh, that um, screaming man uh, painting. I can't remember. Oh God, I'm gonna have to look it up now. But um, you oh know yeah, the painting yeah. Made yeah, on the bridge. Um, the guy with his he's got his hands I'm on his face and he's like ferociously googling. It's Edvard Munch, the scream. It's called. Um, I really like. I think. I, I would love Doctor Who to do more things like this and base it off of things in, I, I don't want to say popular culture, but, you know, like niche sort of folk folklore, I guess. Or like um, art, things things in art, things that are hmm. sort of interpretive creations and yeah, brought yeah, to yeah. life, brought to reality, you know. Yeah, like you've yeah. got... You've got like beat the meat has been interpreted into the comic, so oh, um beat the meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm so excited to see beat the meat. Um, I don't know if you've read Mason or well, maybe not read, but if you've heard of the story of the Star Beast in much detail. I have seen. I haven't read it myself, but I know it's it's related to like the Fourth Doctor, uh, a Fourth mm. Doctor like comic story. Yeah. I'm excited to, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm excited to see how much they stay um, loyal to the to the comic and how much is going to be modernised, to be honest. There is, um, there is a um, big Finnish adaptation of the comic as well. If you wanted to consume it in a more um, passive way, just sort of listening to it, passive listening. Passive um, listening, that's our branding. Yeah, we All always say that at the beginning of, of the beginning of every podcast. But yeah, if you wanted to consume it that way, um, Mason, um, rather than read it, if you want to read it rather than listen to it, you know, you have options there as well. I've personally done neither of those things. Um, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if it's going to be good or not. <laughs> no, well, no, no. Neither, I, I, I was saying it. that as if, if I was like this all-knowing. <laughs> I've, I've listened. I consumed it in all forms of media. Yeah. You, you said it like you've done it all. Yeah. <laughs> we have no idea, but we're excited. And I think we're that's what's clueless. important. We're, we're just very excited to, to see what it's going to be all about. Beat the Meep. I do wonder if Beat the Meep just going to be in the Star Beast, or are they, is Beat the Meep going to be in all the specials? Mm, oh, that's yeah. a really I mean, good question yeah. that I haven't heard yet. Um, I think that it's possible, because I think RTD has this ability to really good ability as well to upscale something that has existed in in doctor who culture before you know make it feel bigger more real like sort of realized um he, and that's sort of what he did on a massive scale when he brought back doctor who originally he brought back all these things the doctor the master the concept of, of a companion and he made it more real and and bigger and yeah just sort of upscaled it in general so i wouldn't be surprised if in bringing back Beep the Meep, it's in a larger sense than we get in the comics. So, you know, there's more of a complex personality there as well. He's not just like a evil alien. There's there's a bit of like a 
it's, yeah, it's a bit more complexity there. I feel like Russell's good at that. Mm. Um, I'd even love to see him yeah. just outside of this, these three parts, maybe if he comes back for a shooty Gatler story or something. I think Doctor Who needs more recurring villains that aren't just, you know, the Cybermen, the Daleks, the Sontarans, you know. We need yeah. we need something new. And we, I, I'd love to see what Russell creates in terms of like a new recurring villain. Yeah, I mean the the funny thing here is um the Doctor in the, in in the, in, the, in the revival series the Doctor when meeting the Sontarans talks about the Mutans or, or the Rutans a lot. The Rutans, who are, yes. yeah. Who are the Sontarans' yeah. arch enemy? And we've never seen them. Like maybe in the classics, yeah, but yeah. we've never seen them. And they always talk about the Rutans. So if they did bring the Sontaran, do something different, bring the Rutans, and they yeah. could have a, an ongoing fight. But yeah, I I completely agree with what you're saying. Like we need new things. We need new memorable characters. I think like like you've got River Song, Captain Jack. I think we just need new people. Like our ongoing people to return. Just just new blood, I guess. Um, because. Mm. We just see the same stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the think routines... the unit. Oh, sorry, gone. Oh, are we doing that twin thing? Oh no, I I went last time. So okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say the Rutans. Um, the only time we've ever seen them on screen is in the independent film Shakedown: Return of the Suntarans, uh, which is a 1994 film. Sorry, I'm live. Uh, um live researching right now um did you watch we have that? seen it we I, I have seen it i have seen uh shakedown yeah it's we watched it amazing kids, um it's not great but it's got it's got um oh what's her name who plays ace sophie aldridge sophie aldridge in it not, not as ace just as someone else um but yeah no it, it's it's okay I mean, but we see the Rutons in that and they're, they're literally just these little balls of green light or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I'd love to see the Rutons in in the new Doctor Who. And, you know, I genuinely think that is a strong possibility that Russell will bring that back because, you know, yeah. he's a big fan of classic Who. Yeah, yeah. he is. I, um, they, when he didn't interview ages ago, when it was announced, they asked him, what he wants and he wants to he wants to face the master he wants to face the weeping angels and he wants to face the devil the devil yeah yeah i'd love to see it yeah wow wow the devil yeah that's that's one of those ones where um it would be really cool to get an origin story there you know Mm. before make you know we get a lot of the doctor um going in places that are outside of time or before time and all this stuff and um you know the devil says one of the things he says in through the ood in the satan pit is you know i'm from before time and the doctor's like what does before time mean and it'd be cool to explore that you know where where did this devil come we're gonna get a biblical sort of good omens crossover with doctor who maybe do, do do we think that Ood Sigma will make appearance in, in the 60th Ooh. anniversary to tell the Doctor's time is ending again? <laughs> wow. Good questions. Um, I think it would be a really, really nice homage to, to that era and also our experience watching The End of Time. Um, 
because that was the indicator for all of us that it was it was over really um so <laughs> it all went down definitively because we got matt smith but <laughs> all all just sort of is a it's a slippery slope down from ood sigma coming on screen ever since it, then it's just <laughs> Yeah. It was huge at the time, though. And to an extent, you know, unironically and not even sarcastically speaking, I do sort of agree with that. Um, you know, I think the Matt Smith era is great. I think the Capaldi era is great. I think I like the Jody era as well in, in many aspects. Um, but the Tenant era is, is still, you know, at a greater height than all of those eras for me personally. Um, mm. And also, you know, when you're a kid... Um, time you experience time in a relatively different way, you know. Um, the Jody era lasted five years, the tenant era lasted four and felt so much longer, you know. And um, you know, because mm. when you're a kid, obviously, time is longer, so that ending felt massive at the time, you know. But anyway, I, I think Ood Sigma, when I was watching, great. when I was watching Jody. Jody's era of Doctor Who, it felt like time was passing really slowly for me. I was like, oh god, we're just getting through the Chibnall era of Doctor Who. Here we go. Oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry, I'm getting, getting started on the my anti Chibnall um, propaganda here. But um, no, you're right. It, it was when we were watching Tenants Doctor Who, it was like, yeah, that was the peak. Um, in terms of like enjoyment of the show, I think. also right. sort of un- unquestionably like there there wasn't any contemplation around that, you know, partially because you're a kid, but you're not as critically minded. Um, but but also because there was nothing to compare it to. We hadn't had the Matt Smith era yet. We weren't in a position to say, oh, this different Doctor Who is either better than or worse than this Doctor Who. David Tennant and RTD one Doctor Who was just Doctor Who at the it time. It was just and- Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that is another reason why we look back on it with such fondness, or a lot of us do, I think, is because, yeah, yeah, the purity of it, it just was... Nothing to compare it to, yeah. yeah. It, it just was it, you know? Yeah, I, I think David Tennant's era was, is the best, um, and hence why he is yeah. back um, as a Doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... He is the Doctor. Like you look at any, everyone is the Doctor who's been the Doctor. But if you, if you were, if someone to say who's Doctor Who, that they, they'll probably say David Tennant because he's the most, David. I guess, well known. That's interesting because I'd say Matt Smith is my Doctor. Yeah. I really yeah. loved Matt Smith. He was I, good. I do think I do think the show peaked in the David Tennant era, at least in this country. But I think, yeah, you know, Matt Smith really, I, I believed he was an alien from outer space when i watched him i was like that is he's an alien you know I mean, he, he I, really I came think, across like that i think with for me it's like i i love the idea of david tennant being the more definitive doctor because of the backstory as well of you know him being a childhood fan and i almost want to say he deserves it you know he sort of he chased the dream and he got it and he he just put all of his heart into it and he knows it he knows what the doctor is and what it, that means and I saw such a lovely video today, which I actually put on our podcast story on Instagram, which is is a video of David Tennant. It looks like, judging by how old he looks in the video, probably from about 2006, 2007. And um, he seems to be on a radio show or something and a kid is calling in. And he says, you know, 
you've inspired me to become an actor and you're the best doctor in the whole wide world and and I think you always will be you know um referred to as that in the future yeah, and, he was know, nearly crying he was nearly crying wasn't he Don't... yeah 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 and he said oh you're, you're gonna make me cry and I always think you know here we are you know about 15 years later and you know he's the doctor still again. on tv he's still here yeah, I, 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 I think. I mean, that video. I've been, I've been watching a video quite a lot recently. I just watch it over and over again. Um, the one where David Tennant was at. Um, I think he he was at an award, but he couldn't make it. Um, because he was doing some work in theatre, and it was when he announced that he was leaving. Oh um, yeah. And he was saying, um, I won't be here when Doctor returns in twenty ten. Which really he lied because Doctor Who was in 2010 with him on the New Year Day special. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was a little white lie. But but yeah, but it, it, that is sad that he he actually. I don't know if we have many doctors who do that. We actually have a, a go on a show, have an announcement, and inform all of its viewers that they're leaving. I don't know if any other other doctors done that. Um. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not not that. Not to my knowledge. I mean definitely speaks on how much emotional weight that held for him as well to feel an incentive to say that on a talk show on a segment of a talk show where which is probably about him more than likely if he's speaking on it i think it was on um, i think it was uh like an awards ceremony yeah yeah it was an oh, award it was an awards and he was accepting wow, an award that's a big, or something. big space to do that yeah, and yeah, he couldn't accept it, but <laughs> I think Catherine Tate got it for him. But yeah, yeah oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Um, I've been watching that, and yeah, I I think it was, uh, but David Tennant, tenth Doctor, was a very selfish Doctor in the end. I think, um, because mm. he was blaming everyone else after the events of what was on Mars. He didn't care anymore. Um, and yeah. he's the only, let's say, new who doctor that didn't accept his regeneration. He didn't want to go like mm-hmm. Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, 13th Doctor. They all kind of accepted in the end and the ninth Doctor. They all accepted in the end. And maybe that's why he's back now to redeem himself, to say mm-hmm. it's time. It's time for me to let go this now. All these, all these time I've been wanting to come back and he's got his wish, but. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'll do. it is. Absolutely. Is he's yeah. only re- is he like only actual doctor? As f- well, I'm casting my mind back, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the only actual doctor that said, you know, I, I'm not ready to leave. Yeah, I. This is, you know, I want to be me. I'm not ready to change into someone else. And so I think, you know, I don't want to assume Russell was planning this from day one, like the evil mastermind that he is yeah. but you know i i think there is an element of it where he was like you know if i ever wanted to come back to doctor who yeah i've created a perfect way to do it by creating this doctor that doesn't oh my god want yeah. to leave but the yeah. thing is that what grew on us on all in that moment that none of us wanted him to go we all wanted him to stay mm-hmm. so it, it was saying words that all of us didn't want to hear. We, 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 we yeah. none of us wanted us to go. Unless for some reason you've got an agenda on the 10th Doctor. Um, but a lot of people do. A lot of people yeah. don't like the 10th Doctor. But, um, but yeah, no, I agree. I, I was, I was there. 
I was with him. I was like, yeah, I don't want to just go either, man. I'd... Yeah. <laughs> I, I love, I personally love the 10th Doctor and my life feels like it's come full circle recently in that there was a long, long time where I said the 11th Doctor is my favorite Doctor. Uh, and then after that, the 9th Doctor. But, you know, especially in the 60th year, I've really come back to sort of almost accepting, I want to say, that the 10th Doctor is is the best Doctor for me. And I think part of it for me is, is as you described, Mason, that selfishness. Um, because I think that selfish selfishness, especially towards the end, it stem it all stems from the fact that he's the most human and the most sensitive. And I think for that reason, he sort of is the most enveloped by his own pain and his own, you know, torment of, of all his loss and things like this. And, you know, all the doctors have lost things, but I think because David Tennant's 10th doctor is so childlike almost, and so sensitive, it, it really damages him. Um, and we see that sort of childlike him in, in the Christmas invasion when he first come out, you know, he's just been born and he's, he's full of life. And it's almost like that is sort of sapped out of his eyes as time goes on. And it's, it's a tragic, but, but beautiful story. It is. And like, I think the golden years of Doctor Who were around that time and they were around Matt Smith as well. I think Matt Smith was really, is I guess he's, he's an unappreciated doctor. He lives in David Ten mm. uh, the Tenth Doctor's shadows, and yeah, and I feel like it shouldn't be that way. I think yes, a lot of us who loved the Tenth Doctor were very angry at the time because the Tenth Doctor was so great. But I think the Eleventh Doctor is great too. I think he was as yeah. good as the Tenth Doctor, and I think those he was first cool. two seasons, especially. I mean, we won't talk about Series Seven. But those first two seasons, I mean, yeah, I I was fully on board with, with I actually, the 11th Doctor. I actually think that Series 7 is is Matt Smith's definitive Doctor performance. I think that's the Se- best series 11th seven Doctor. B, the reason I'm saying it is Series 7B is a very controversial. Yeah, I, yeah, I think the, stor- the story... People don't like that... Clara and the Doctor. That's the issue. People don't like that combination. Clark I think it feels less inspired and like there's less it's just less developed in a way but I think with them too but and the stories are the same they feel sort of a bit more shallow less inspired a bit more sort of average feeling um but in terms of Matt's doctor I think it's at its naturally it is at its most refined in his last season but that is one of the best things about series seven um, and 7B, actually, t- to sing its praises a bit is, <laughs> I just love Matt in it so much, you know? Yeah, I, I, how do we feel about the titles of Series 7, like Series 7A and Series 7B? Do, do we like that, or do, do do we just think they should just call it Series 7 as a whole? I think it reflects a poor, direct, poor choice. I don't know why it was done, um, but I think... I don't know if that. I think it was because Stephen Moffat's uh, Stephen Moffat's workload at the time. I think, um, but I just don't think it was a good choice because, especially for series six, where it's trying to do this big convoluted storyline. Uh, I think we would have really benefited as the audience from viewing it just from beginning to end, week after week, rather than having like this 
break in the middle. Um, yeah. I think that just made it feel quite disrupted. Yeah, I agree. One thing as growing up, at like probably like 10 years old, 10, 11 years old, when Matt Smith was a doctor, um, like one thing that was really complicated to me was the whole Pandorica opens kind of storyline towards the end of series five. I got really complicated about that because for some reason Amy was in the Pandorica's box. And then I, I, it was so complicated to me that, that, that whole, what was happening. It's yeah, timey wimey think... stuff, isn't it? Stephen loves it. He loves Stephen Moffat. He loves doing all this complicated time travel sort of stuff. I think, um, we see it a lot, you know, in um, in all his stories, really. But, like, it's why he was so good at utilising the Weeping Angels, you know. He loves all this sort of, like, time travel, science, stuff that doesn't really make sense. But, like, you know, it's fun to watch, I guess. Yeah, it is. You know, he loves that kind of thing. Um, there's one story of the Eleventh Doctor. Well, my favorite story is the Eleventh Vow of the Eleventh Doctor. But, um, but oh, the, the, yeah, yeah. The, there's one story that I always will, will remember because I remember the day at the barbecue. Um, and um, it was it was I think it was the Rebel Flesh. And this is another one that I was saying I was very like. Has that come to me? <laughs> uh, but they were petrifying like the. the what was happening there and uh, it was a very scary episode mm, especially the at the end yeah yeah especially at the end when amy melts yeah. into one <laughs> yeah oh God, yeah that is a you shock know, even, factor even, moment when um amy's baby as well in a good man goes to war turns into yeah. goop it's yeah, like an <laughs> amy oh. sort of scream of despair it's like you know that scream of a mother who's just it's sort of watched acting. a Bailey a baby I it. melt is just quite extreme and is really tapping into our most innate fears, really. You know, God, can you imagine someone's yeah. child someone... dying is like one of the worst things that can happen to a person? So people say. I don't well, have just, any children. Well, just imagine someone you really care about and just watching them turn into this goo, this white goo, and you're like, oh my God, like they've never actually been here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's crazy to think about. Like he he loved Stephen Moffat, he loves this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you remember all this stuff that I I've spent the last five episodes building up to? Yeah, none of it actually happened. He loves that kind of thing. Yeah, it's that thing, um, it's the same thing as um as you said, Mason, with the, the moment where we see Amy in that in the Pandorica. He loves evoking that feeling of confusion in his audience and that that sense of what on earth is going on you know, I, in an instant i agree and one i guess not not it's just a really good memory of the good man goes to war it's like the first scene after all that happens it's like you've got him as a monk and he's just he turns up out of nowhere and then yeah all, all chaos is going on um and he was like um Amelia Pond, get your coat, and just like that, and then and then all the music comes in, and then I I just love that scene. I think that's one of the best scenes of the episode. It's great. It's great. Yeah, mm. it's great seeing <laughs> like yeah. the wrath of of the eleventh Doctor or the, the wrath of uh, the Doctor as the eleventh Doctor um, in that episode because we get a lot of sort of fairy tale theme and vibe in series five. 
Um, mm. And yeah, I think where we get a lot of that, it gets quite serious in series six and quite, you know, it gets quite into the nitty gritty of their lives on the TARDIS and stuff like that. And, and yeah, we get to see that darker side of the 11th Doctor more. I think a good man goes to war is one of the first times we, we see it to that extent. Yeah, especially with Colonel Manton. Yeah, the Colonel Runaway. Yeah, as we we call him. Yeah, Colonel Runaway. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the scenes um with that and like it's just it's great. It, it, it's a great storyline to that to that to that series and um and like yeah, the Lemp Doctor was just great. Um, but after that we go. To the twelfth Doctor, who, to me, wasn't like for every other Doctor I've watched. So nine, ten, eleven, I loved them straight away. That it didn't take me like a few episodes, but with the twelfth Doctor, it did. Mm. It took me yeah, a good two too. seasons, yeah. and it shouldn't, in my opinion, it shouldn't be that way. It, we should be um, liking it straight away, and I've never felt yeah. like that that way before. Um, and a lot of people in the in the community, you will see their favorite episode is um, Peter Capaldi's first episode, um, which Ben touched on earlier with, with like the, the, the uh, deep breath. Um, and mm. I, that was an okay episode. Um, I did like the sense it was funny in in parts, but the reason why is that that we can sense the different the difference of Peter Capaldi as an actor, not just as the Doctor, as an actor during his run as the Doctor. And I felt in his last season was his best work. And that's why I felt... Mm. He felt when he left, it weren't finished. He weren't ready to go. Because I think if he'd done another series, mm. yeah. it would have been even better than he was in his final one. And you can see he's a young Doctor that progressed into a really good Doctor. Even though he was good, yeah. but it just took, it took us I, longer. The way I see Peter Capaldi is... You know, he he takes some warming up to get used to. Like, he, it takes him a little while to get to warm up to him. But I find I like that because I find that that's my experience with most people in general. You know, is you know you're not gonna meet someone and love them straight away. I mean, yeah, you know, there's gonna be some people you meet and when you do it's great. When you do it's like it's amazing. Yeah, like when you meet someone, you're like, yeah, hell yeah. But um, I mean, a lot of it's people like, you, like you meet, Mason. like it takes. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people you meet, and you're like, you know, it. I don't know how to feel about them. Yeah, and it takes a few times getting used, and then you get used to them, you know, and you're like, okay, yeah, I, I like them. Mm. And I think Peter Capaldi's Doctor is like that. And you know that for those first few episodes, I'm like, okay, I don't know how to feel about you yet. But then we get to something like listen episode four and you're like oh, oh hell yeah no. i'm into it <laughs> i'm into yeah. it yeah listen uh he has one episode. is that the episode where, where everyone was under the bed yes uh, yes and yeah. and um it's a moffat royale that one it's the, it's such a moffat story it's a little yeah trying to scare people that's what it's all about it and just bring, um yeah it, it just brings back that. that feeling to looking under the bed there's always something there you always feel like it's gonna be something there. Um no, this was one of my biggest fears as a kid as well. I hated the idea yeah. of something being on And the ankle, something grabbing your ankle. 
That yeah. is a big one. Yeah. And they put one. Clara under the bed actually doing it, don't they? So... I know. <laughs> oh. oh, it's so He's clever. He's messing with our brains. Such a good He's story. messing. <laughs> Episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a good one. Yeah, I think for to for me to sort of share my perspective on on Capaldi and w- especially what to touch on what you said, Mason, about his last series being the best of him. Um, I think yeah, it's his best performance, and I think they give him better stuff to work with. I think they nail his vibe in series ten, being the university professor. Um, and stuff like that. I think that works so well. I think if we just got him starting off as the uni, the university professor from series eight, um, and just seeing that throughout would have been so oh, special and so it. interesting, almost like a John Pertwee and unit um, earth based thing where, but uh, you know, the doctor's relationship with that, could sort of develop over time like he could have his own story on a on earth as well as going and having different adventures and stuff and have complexities you know maybe get pulled into a hr meeting at, at the uni because he said <laughs> something weird or you know just things like that and i think it would have been really cool if we got that series 10 vibe for him just throughout it was so good it was messing good. around I doing different series things. 10. yeah series 10 was great um just the whole storyline. The only downfall, maybe we would say, would be Bill at the end, well, well, with, mm-hmm. with all the events that happened to her. But yeah, and and bringing John Sim back, which is great, a great master. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, and then and then again, and then and then we go to the Thirteenth Doctor, where um, it was a lot of it changed. I think from we 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 talk about maybe like the music composer change the whole concept change which i think it was good for the it was good that we got our first female doctor which should have happened mm-hmm. a long time ago really but um but yeah. it, it was good in that kind of sense um like series yes. 11 series 11 to me was i guess i think what they tried to do was try to get a new audience aboard the show, like for people who didn't have to watch mm. any of the previous seasons, just to do separate episodes, and when they yeah. found out that could that didn't work, uh, in series eleven, well, they did have a few good episodes. Rosa, for example, good episode. Yes. Um, but then mm-hmm. we go to series twelve, where they did, they had a storyline. They did have a storyline, which was good. Mm. It's good to have a storyline in any form of series, uh, because mm. it just builds on. Uh, with series twelve. Yeah. There was a lot of complications because there was multiple storylines going on. And then that progressed into Flux, where you had multiple storylines yeah. which weren't finished. And I think that that mm-hmm. was the thing about yeah. it. The thing about it to me, which I guess with my autism, I love music. And the music of Doctor Who, as we found out recently, but the new themes, themes in Doctor Who will make Doctor Who Doctor Who. So mm-hmm. the music yeah. of Doctor Who, but we didn't, we, we didn't have the music, Doctor Who wouldn't be Doctor Who, so that's what I've missed. And with that last seven odd years, we didn't really have much music. We had the odd theme, we had the theme of Doctor Theme, but we didn't have theme for characters or any of that. So I think if we had that, we maybe would have liked it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to, you know, give a sort of false positivity i mean me and 
Joe on our podcast are quite outspoken about our yeah. reservations with the Chibnall era of Doctor Who. I, I would mean, say we... I have I have more sympathy and I think more you do of th- it than you do. Yeah, yeah, I think you have more. I, I think that's just from you've your you have Doctor Who in your heart is more. It's more of a wholesome sort of like you know you you just love Doctor Who for being Doctor Who. <laughs> And I'm a lot more critical of any of it, yeah. And and I just even David Tennant era, I like to pick apart it and be like, I don't like this thing, I don't like this thing, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree, I agree with the the music in in particular. I mean, me and Joe are both really into our music. We both create music ourselves, um, and together as and, well, and together as well. Um, and we, yeah we it's a really important part of doctor who when you're watching it you know it conveys the emotion in a certain scene i don't know if you've seen mason um they uploaded some um parts of doctor who without the music in the background i think as clips in confidential and stuff they show the scenes without music uh and it just it just falls flat for me without the music in the background Mm. Yeah, you just you just need the music, um, which will make anything better. Like, uh, like imagine if we're in the sixtieth and we don't hear Donna's theme. Like, like we're going to be thinking, what's going on? <laughs> so, um, it's yeah. just it's just stuff like that. And I know, I, yeah. yeah, I I I did really enjoy the thirty era. I love Dot Two. Any, I I love all of it. Like like you, yeah. Joe. Uh, oh. Even if yeah. I didn't like a particular episode, still watch it. Be loyal. Be loyal to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Try I'm it. Just loyal. try. Also, like I hate, I hate Doctor Who while loving it as well. Yeah. It's yeah. A love hate. You hate it because you love it. Yeah. But I hate it because I love it. I get angry yeah. because yeah. I care so much about the show that I want yeah. it to do well. So yeah. do I though. I think I I really don't just to completely contradict what Ben has just said about me. Um. I don't like Series 13 at all. I think it completely fell flat, mostly in terms of plot. I think, you know, Series 12, you know, the Timeless Children set up something that could have been interesting, interesting way of exploring the Doctor's character um, and challenging the Doctor's character. Um, And I think, you know, it's, it's a shame that Series 13 came up with a plot that just felt so... Like a mundane and uninspired, and you know, I feel like they could have done something way more interesting than they did with it. Um, and I was one of those people that was actually backing the Timeless Children when it came out. It got so much hate, and I thought I was saying to everyone, you know, just wait, just wait and see what they do with it. And then here comes Series Thirteen in flux, and you know, it just didn't work for me. You're like, where, where, why have they not mentioned it in the last six episodes? Well, it's it's not not mentioning it. It's just (laughs) not doing something with it that is good i think <laughs> i think flux started well with the halloween episode i thought something there's on to run something mm. here it's gonna be good and then we go mm. all, all of a sudden we're mm, yeah. we're into we have an introduction to these characters these villains and they say yeah. they say i know who the doctor is oh, we've met before and i think to myself really so i guess we're gonna find out as the series goes on yeah so we don't we, 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 we don't find out and at the end just, what, they, they end up being the 30th doctor multiple so i'm thinking what's going on here um and that the, the the doctor's mother apparently 
it's there and it gets killed straight away. And yeah. I forget what's going on. Load of nonsense. <laughs> I quite li- like that. I quite like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was funny though, wasn't it? Like, have, have an ood, a random ood there as well. Oh, I know. <laughs> right. Ban bringing back the ood. I'm done no, with the ood. I love the ood. I'm over the ood now. Also, the ood, they, they can work logistically speaking. Um, like, it's... You could, you could have an ood anywhere because they're they're like a slave race, you know. Um, they're sold uh, everywhere, so it's like anyone can own an ood. Therefore, they can appear we, we've anywhere. We spoke about this. So we've spoke yeah, about this on our podcast. <laughs> no, no, Joe, I want to stop you there right now because we <laughs> spoke about this on our podcast, and I just want to say that throughout the whole classic era, the first thirty years of Doctor Who, we did not see a single ood. Why are they popping up so much now? What's going on? I refuse okay. to believe that the Ood are just here now. They don't, Okay, I don't think they pop up that much, but in the same breath. They do, though. Keep world They're building. everywhere. The Ood are everywhere. I mean, did, like did, every other story, they're just did, there. Did they appear in the 12th? I'm not sure if they appeared in the 12th Doctor's era. No, I don't think they did. I'm not sure they did. I don't think they did. Took a bit of a, of a break from the I Ood. think it was Series 6, then 12. In yeah, terms the, of yeah, their appearances. With the ood on the still toilet. still feels like too much. Too much yeah. ood. Yeah, the ood, the ood, ood, on, the ood on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm in Rory's house. Pond life. Pond life. <laughs> Don't skip that on your on your marathons, guys. Yeah. Um, but with, um, yeah, yeah, the ood are... I didn't see the point of that ood being there, to be honest, and Flux could do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be fair, yeah. it doesn't really do anything. No. It's just there. It's just there because it's like, oh, there's an. Oh, ood. hang on. I think that's returning a lot of... from live research. Oh. The ood were in face the raven. No, they weren't. No, they, they were. What's there? They were. They were. Yeah. There was one in face the raven in that little village. When? There What's was there? an ood. No. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? They're bloody <laughs> everywhere. Well, there was oh, he's right. There, there was a nude in um, what was that Christmas that New Year's episode when the fighting doctor was trapped in the prison? Oh, uh, oh, uh, revolution! Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They had the nude there. They had the silence there. I think. Um, yeah, bloody the, everywhere these dudes. Yeah. I like. Need to get that. rid of them. Yeah. Yeah, the ood. Yeah, to... I, I do agree that the that they didn't the ood didn't really do anything though, and I think that's <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> that sort of resembles a greater issue with the Chibnall era, in that a lot of things seem to be done for like cheap effect, or like you know, um, I think the Timeless Children is a prime example. We get a massive retcon, um, for the sake of you know, Chibnall trying to make the audience go, oh my God, what? Or, oh my God. I think it's the Ood, it's the same thing. It's like, oh my God, it's an Ood. But when you sort of dissect the real substance to it, it's like, there's there's nothing. Why I, is there an Ood there? Why I, would an Ood be in prison? I guess. Think about it. I guess <laughs> with the Timeless Children and stuff, they had to mm. find a way because the Doctor originally has only 13 lives. So they had to find a way, because we all knew mm. Doctor Who would probably do further than 13 lives. So um, yeah, really, they had to find a way to progress that. 
So I think maybe what they've done with the Timeless Children is saying the Doctor has a limited amount of lives and has so that doesn't have 13 anymore. It could have had 100. So maybe that's what they've done and why they've done that to say yeah. there's no limit anymore. There's just... We uh, saw limit. we saw Capaldi get given. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're going to yeah, change Those, those would have run out as well. Those would have run out as well again. And then you would have had to come up. Say we get number Doctor 12. Incarnation number 26. Uh, dies, the the the, do- the writer at the time has to come up with a new way to give the Doctor another thirty incarnations. It's like yeah. the timeless children yeah. sort of eradicates the problem forever. Um, um, but yeah, I still as as a watch, it's just not great. Especially the time I do think the timeless children isn't a good episode. I but for me, it's not about the ideas; it's about the execution. And the fact, yeah, like you've said in the past, Ben, it's pretty much just the master's PowerPoint presentation about the Doctor's life. Um, <laughs> yeah, sort of thing. And, yeah. And for some reason, the master knows more than the Doctor. Um, what's that about? Yeah, that yeah. doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, like, what's going on? Uh, why would the doc- Why would the master even care to tell the Doctor anyway? <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Why does he care? Yeah. Um, Envy, <laughs> jealousy. Do, I think that's. I guess. Yeah. Thing. I guess. Do we think because Missy and the Doctor and the, Missy and the Master? Do we think that the that like Sasha's Master is after Missy or before? Oh well, it's actually um well whether you take this as confirmation or not, but there was a comic recently um this year. Um, which was like a special Titan comic, I think, where it was like a multi-master story. And I think all of them appear in it, I want to say. Um, and there's a scene where I think it's, I think it's the Delgado master and Missy are looking in the window outside when they, you see the scene in the, uh, in a, I think it's Spyfall part two where the master walks into that. I think it's like, is it like a Victorian house or something? And the doctors, it's like an inventions show. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the master's like, look at my marvelous shrinking ray and like zap someone. I think in the comic, they they're looking in at him doing that. And obviously he doesn't know they're there. And the Delgado master says to Missy, Oh, like what's he doing? Or like something. And Missy says, Oh, I don't know. I've not been him yet. So, I think it's it's almost confirmed there that that yeah, um, Sasha's the one is in fact after Missy somehow. I personally want to believe that Sasha comes before Missy because I don't want to think that that whole Missy arc of becoming not necessarily good but tolerable as a person. Um, would be just a waste. I don't want that to be a waste. You know, Capaldi's doctor worked so hard on getting her to be this okay person. I would be so upset if she regenerated and turned back into just an evil master, you know? Yeah. I agree. I I think all that and then the the master's bad again. I would like a master to have a little break now, I think, though. Oh, have the master mm. we, we've seen the master a lot so bring I don't know bring someone else make someone new yeah. bring someone back and then like the toy maker they brought that back so yeah. bring, bring someone else like you've got the Rani you've got Omega so you've got lo- loads of people to work with and Russell, Day- Russell T. Davis work does so well with creating new characters so 
do that. I'd love to see the yeah. Rani again. I'd love to see Gillian Anderson as the Rani. I think that would be beautiful. I or mean, the or the Valyard or or I don't know the Dream Lord or something. Like I think it's bring back the Dream Lord. Well. Hell yeah, I'd love that. Do you I'd do you guys that. do you guys have any theories who you think maybe Jinx Monsoon's character will be in the new series? Oh yeah, I think it's going to be a new a new villain um, along the lines of what you're saying, and I think it's going to be a music themed villain. Like they're going to they they harness their power through music or exert their she's power got, through music in piano, some way the piano lapels doesn't she yeah um ruby sunday i don't know spoilers for anyone listening um spoiler alert um but ruby sunday is rumored to be able to play the piano um as in her character is able to play the piano um so that's i think that might play into the episode somehow as well um i think the doctor's going to take her to meet all of these I think it might be a good episode too, actually. You know, oh, Ruby, where do you want to go first? Let's meet the Beatles. Let's meet all these music people that inspire me so much. And and then yeah. we get a music-themed villain. It'd be so great. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Russell T. Davis did say he's going to do a musical episode at some point. Oh, um, hell yeah. yeah. Like, it's oh, long it's so overdue, good. really. Every TV show has a musical episode. Do you know what I mean? And it's long overdue for Doctor Who to have the same thing. Wait, it needs to happen, and I think with um, Ruby, um, I, I, I would, I wonder, is she, is she going to be from the future, or is she going to be a present day companion? Hmm. Oh, I think she's going to be present day, just based off of the fact we're getting a Christmas. The Christmas special is set, seems to be set on Earth present day, judging from the filming pictures um so just based on that but i guess we don't have a lot to go off of but i am totally in favor of them bringing in a companion that's from pretty much any time period or planet um yeah or not, not yeah yeah like yeah or uh, not even you know. human not even yeah. an alien companion on there I'm, I'm down yeah i'd love that like we haven't seen that maybe since vastra even though she wasn't a proper companion oh, yeah. that, that traveled but at least you weren't human, but yeah, I'm... or Nardal, I suppose. Yeah, sort not Nardal. Yeah, yeah, in a, a bit sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, I I think so. Um, but I think I'm really excited for the new series series. Uh, because I think Shooty's going to be great as Doctor. I'm so excited for Shooty. I have love the sex theme? education. He's oh great. yes, yes, Mason. Have you heard the? Yeah, have you heard the new theme song? Yeah, yeah, I've heard the new theme. The theme, the, the new Doctor Who theme. And Shooty's fame and Ruby's fame are all great. I know, I know. But, it's good, isn't it? It's good. I mean, I, at first I wasn't. I I listened to Shooty's fame and I I took a bit of listening to I to I got into it, but I, I love it. Mm. I think I think the fame is it's a great fame for the fifteenth Doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm still personally um in my phase, uh, Mason of just of not being not feeling very well affiliated with it yet and not having warmed to it yet like you say you know it took you a while to warm to the 15th doctor's theme i'm personally experiencing that um ruby sunday's theme i just am completely in love with i think it's i don't know if it's recency bias or what but it's probably my favorite companion theme that we've had 
to be honest. And uh, obviously, the Doctor Who theme is great. <laughs> as it I, always think, is really. I think the Doctor Who theme links in between like the, the Tenth Doctor era and the Eleventh Doctor era. I feel and yeah, a, t- yeah, a, t- yeah. a touch of the movie. When you hear that piano bit, I I yeah, said exactly yeah. the same thing. That little piano roll going into the uh, going into the bridge or whatever. That is that sounds like the TV movie to me. Yeah, that, that's got to be the TV movie. So, yeah, I, I just wonder what the intro is going to be like. Um, I think going to make it different. Um, it's going to be that's going to be exciting. Um, yeah. But um, I know you said Ben that like uh, with you could easily give some critics to maybe some of David Tennant's series. One that I would say is, um, for me, um, David Tennant's second series, not because of his acting, just because of the series in a whole, um, I thought wasn't his best series. And that is because, uh, we go back to storylines, there wasn't, I guess, they were all kind of just adventures, weren't they? Like The Doctor and Rose. So that you didn't, unless you had maybe towards the end, but you had these odd episodes like, um, all like the, like I guess the controversial ones where the Doctor weren't in it, and then and you had Fear Her, um, and stuff like that. But yeah, I would say it's best series are definitely series three and four, um, mm. but series two is good as well. But that's interesting because a lot of people would say that series two is their favorite. Um, mm. I mean, not personally. I, I mean, I, I, I would personally I love series three. I love series three, and I know it's not the favorite series out of the David Tennant era, but I just I love the stories. I think yeah. there's a great overarching theme. But yeah, you're right. In series two, it is sort of just adventures, and then the last two episodes really are yeah. where stuff well, happens. I say that, although my favorite episode is in series two. <laughs> Oh yeah, what, what's your favorite episode? Uh, um, my favorite episode is "Gown the Fireplace," so um, I love that oh, one. It's a great one, yeah. Um, great. Even though I was petrified it as a kid, like we said at the it's beginning, it's just good though, and it's yeah. just clever. It's just yeah. very clever. Um, a lot of people may say that maybe the controversial part of the episode would be where the Doctor just swings off leaves Rose behind and just goes to Madame de Pompadour, who's only saw not not for a long time. So I guess there is yeah, that. But I think those people are the people that want Rose and the Doctor to be together. And yeah. I'm not one of those people. I, I'm one of those people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Series 2. I think Series 2 is just... I I think Ten and Rose are just electric. I think their, their love of life together is just something that is so enjoyable to watch for me and how they sort of turn up somewhere and no matter how dangerous it is they're like this is just fun and i think that's why i love this the impossible planet satan pit so much is because um it plays with that they turn up and they're like oh this is so fun oh my god what's happening and then but then it gets serious and they're like maybe we're stuck here forever and all the fun is over and all the fun is over Uh, yeah there were some there were some good episodes. I, I I loved the episodes, but I just felt the storyline as a whole wasn't um, the best. Like I guess we were just learning who they were, but ideally yeah. we know we knew who Rose was anyway. It it was just I guess I guess you can relate with that with Clara in a way because 
I guess they're the only two companions to see the Doctor regenerate in the the new series. So, um, I would like to see that again. I I, I would like that because I found it funny when mm. Peter Capaldi, Twelfth Doctor, was like, "I'm not your boyfriend." <laughs> I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why Yaz left. Really, I mean, oh, I understand it from a don't get me started. From a storyline point of view, I don't really understand why Yaz didn't stick around for the regeneration, really. Do you know what I didn't get? I didn't get when they're on the top of the TARDIS and the phantom doctor's like saying, I can't do this anymore. And she never did explain why. Um, and I was thinking to myself, Yaz would willingly just say, yes, I'll go. If if that was in my shoes and I was traveling with the doctor. um, Why? Like, why are you doing this to me? Why? I'd be more distraught. Really, it would have really hit home more if Yaz would have got killed by that big energy ball thing. <laughs> what, right that, at the beginning. Child. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right Series 11 episode one. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I'm not going to hate that much. We'll save that for a different podcast. But, um, yeah. But yeah. No. I mean, I mean, no, if, if she would have got killed near the end by that, 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 amoeba thing i can't remember what it was called but um yeah if that would have happened i would have been like oh my god yaz is dead this is like quite sad it, it the got fact that she just stage, dipped yeah. she just dipped without even like you know she was like yeah okay i'll leave fine it, it got to a stage where i wanted someone to die i didn't care who it was I just wanted a <laughs> companion to die because and it, it would just we never got the 13th doctor like that we never got the anger of the 13th doctor properly so true and i was saying to joe about this right for the whole of the 11th doctor's era no one dies no one dies especially in the dalek stories right where they're shooting everyone no one gets hit Mm. no one gets killed Mm. and then you get you open up with into the dalek and immediately about five people die in the first five minutes yeah, Doctor Who, for some reason, one they have a way of thinking someone's dead. So, like, Temp's Doctor, Rose uh, isn't dead, she's in a parallel universe. Martha's yeah. not dead. Donna is still alive, just with no memories. Clara was supposedly supposed to be dead when the Raven, but she's not. She's travelling in a TARDIS somehow, somewhere. Um, Bill, <laughs> not dead. She was supposed to be dead. Kill but... someone! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she has a Cyberman, and apparently she's fighting with that Water Girl creature. And then, yeah, no, no, none of the others. So, and Amy and Rory, you could say they're dead for the Weeping Angel, but they nah. could be alive. Um, they lived their whole lives. Yeah. They lived till 80 something. Yeah. It's yeah. not an on screen yeah. death, like in that way. But yeah. We need an on screen death. Yeah, I, I death. agree with you, Mason. We need, we need an on screen death. We need something to hit home and to yeah. get us all in our feels. Yeah, because that's the thing we've been missing for all these years. Um, I want death. I like Doctor <laughs> Who isn't Doctor Who without death. Like you see everyone That's getting killed. You, like you see all these Daleks and and stuff like that. And it, we want the emotion of the Doctor when this happens yeah. because we yeah. have seen mm. it. We have seen it with each of the Doctors have thought they were going to die, uh, but they haven't. So that they should have done that. I felt maybe with the fighting Doctor, I felt that was going to happen. I felt maybe Yaz was going to die because I felt that would have been a good ending for her. Because it would, yeah, it but would. they they've more focused on this strange love for setting that everyone was kind of obsessed about. Because I didn't get it, you know. Because for some reason, all of a sudden, 
with no connection, I guess. I didn't have a be the best connection, Yaz and the Doctor, but they were so in love uh, for some reason. Um, and I didn't get mm. that. I don't. I don't even think. I don't even think it's observable, particularly. I think no. we're told it, <laughs> yeah. you know? but it's like it's like they're in love. See it? Not just really. so you know, just so you know, they're in love. Then we're not going to provide any evidence or anything. Just you know, they're in love. It's like if we were like maybe Rose and the Doctor, like we can see that connection. Um, yeah. uh, the body and, language and stuff as well. And and the thing is, they only had one season together. We we got to think about this. They had one season, and look how much chemistry they had. Yaz mm. and the Doctor had three seasons. Um, and, and... <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, yeah. <laughs> they had three. Yeah. They had yeah. three. And and what we say about, like, we don't want Rose and the Doctor to fall in love. We do. But they are in love in some way. But the, the doc mm. I like this when the Doctor says they can't. They don't have time to fall in love. Um, and I, I find it funny in the, um, the Legend of the Sea Devils when... Um, the fighting doctor just mentioned River says I'm married, <laughs> so I found that quite funny yeah. when she's yeah, on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 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 I think I think I personally going back to the scene where they're sitting on the top of the TARDIS and um, the thirteenth doctor says, "Yeah, I can't do this anymore." Um, I personally feel a bit patronized as an audience member that we don't get an explanation for that and that we are expected to just sort of buy it with nothing. So it's almost like, oh, they don't need that much to sort of swallow that. And it's like, no, we, we want an explanation. We want to know yeah. what is incentivizing the main character to make a decision about her relationship with the second to most main character. It's like a massive thing. And it's like, in terms of story and, there's no explanation for it at all. And I think that is just diabolical. And I, I mean, think I sympathize with the Chibnall era a lot, but that is just one of the things where I'm like, that's just terrible writing. Like, I mean, fundamentally, bluntly. right, <laughs> the show is for, for children. I mean, none of us want to admit it. We're all, you know, we're all, we're all grown up. But, you know, we love <laughs> this show. You know, <laughs> We love this show that is for children. Um, and, you know, I think, a lot of the time they don't want to provide that sort of exposition because the show is for kids, you know, the show is for kids and we just are meant to accept things because, you know, it is what it is. You know, we're, we're meant to accept the fact that Yaz is leaving because that is just what is happening. And a lot of the, and I bet there are children out there watching Dot Two like, yeah, yeah, this is so good. This is so great. I love it. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm a, I think yeah. we're viewing it from a critical analysis because we are old enough to accept the to to analyze the flaws. Yeah. Hmm. Possibly. I think. I also think that you know, watching the David Tennant era as a kid, you know, the characters are are multifaceted in a lot of ways. They they feel like real people. They feel like complex people in in some cases as a kid you don't read that so much you're interested in the doctor's adventures and you're mm. thrilled to watch the doctor and the the, the scary monsters etc um so you can sort of enjoy it on different levels as a kid or an adult when it's good doctor who and that's why it's called a family show um but 
you know, I don't think we can credit the Jody era for for being more simple um, as a me, and that sort of being us inferring from that that it's more tailored to kids. I just I just think it's it's means it's, it's less good to be honest. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, if it was, I think we just need clarification on these certain kind of things that happen in the show. Because, like, like we say, Yaz on the top of the TARDIS. Um, is it, I mean, imagine if Yaz was still there now, going into the sixtieth. <laughs> uh, he that. definitely still is. Don't, don't, don't make me think about it, Mason. Don't yeah. make me think about it. I'm, imagine, <laughs> imagine. It might be. Uh, to be honest, it might be. It, it might have been a good idea. Uh, in a way, you never know. Hey, you, you never know. You never know, but might have not... saved Yaz's character. Yeah, yeah and then she, 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 and then she just gets killed by a uh, boot the meat. Oh, please! <laughs> ben gets his final wish. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'd want. Yeah, it would be a a wholesome moment. Um, but yeah. So, guys, are we excited for the sixtieth? Oh. Oh, I'm feeling a lot of things, Mason. Yeah, I'm feeling excited. I'm feeling an element of surrealism. I'm feeling like my inner child is is jumping for joy. I'm feeling like I just want it to happen right now. That's how I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm oh. I'm so excited. I'm so ex- I'm so excited. Um, I'm it's, also, I can't believe it's happening. Sorry, I'm also terrified. I'm also terrified that it's going to be rubbish. That is the other thing. Oh, I have no plague in my mind. We, uh, uh, look, all right, I trust <laughs> Russell. I trust Russell T. Davis. I trust David Tennant. It doesn't sound like it, mate. Doesn't sound. <laughs> like. Listen, I, I've had, I've had a hard. It's been a hard past five years in Doctor Who. All right, I've, we've really struggled. Trust we've issues really, I've developed. I've got trust issues with Doctor Who now. Every time I turn it on, I'm like, it's a new, it's a new series. I'm gonna enjoy it, and then it comes on TV, and I'm like, oh no, please. Um, no, so that, I'm apprehensive, but I'm looking forward to it, and you know. I am actively counting down the days until November. And like we were saying before the podcast, Mason, you know, I'm just so looking forward to finding out when Doctor Who is actually going to be on. They still have yet to announce the dates. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm just sitting here waiting to find out when it's coming back on TV because I miss it. It's on tomorrow. It. Did you yeah. hear? Oh, my yes. God. It's on tomorrow. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. It's funny you say that, Joe. But by the time this goes out, at some point in November, you might be right. Uh, to oh. to the people listening. Oh, <laughs> so... oh, Tune in it's on tomorrow. tomorrow. In brackets, not sarcastic. Yeah. Yeah. Tune in tomorrow. BBC yeah. One. So, two is on. At this time in moment in time, I hope I do a podcast one day where they they are announced. But I don't think I ever will. But. What are your <laughs> what are your preferable dates, guys, for these specials to go out? Um, if you were to choose, um, for me personally, um, the eleventh of November for episode one. It's the same day as Comic Con. Uh, it means we get episode two, which seems to be, or I think, is going to be the most fan service the episode. Um, nearest to the twenty third, the following week on the twenty fifth, Saturday twenty fifth. 
and then we'll get the that final episode. That doesn't Costa. add up. How does it not? No. No, that doesn't add up. No, sorry. No, no. Get the... no. no. I messed it up. 18th. 18th for the first episode is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. and then, sorry, then we'll get the finale, sorry, for the um On the 25th. Uh, yeah, second. on the 25th. On the 20th. We are oh, confirmed. you want the finale on the 25th? No, well, I wanted the, the, the episode two closer to... The 25th, but I think it may... is the closest to the 23rd. You <laughs> bloody, oh, I... <laughs> I don't hang on. Go... Okay, let me start again. that. So, no. <laughs> let me start again. So, the... so for episode one, I would want I would want it so episode two falls closest to the 23rd, so the 25th. Yeah. Um, but that means obviously we'd get episode three not even in November, so but oh, that's good. Yeah. I don't know. I think I would want that personally. We know for a fact that we're not getting an episode on the twenty third. Um, no, that's a shame. But I, I think somewhere, I think something is supposed to happen on a day. So I, I wonder what it's going to be. Yeah. What be about you, Instagram though, Mason? Post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go on, Mason. What do you want? Uh, preferably, which will not happen. Um, <laughs> my one is have. Um, It would have been the twenty third, but now we can't have it on. So my first, a first episode on the twenty fifth of of November, and then the next Ooh, two okay. in December, and then you'll have maybe have a week or two to wait until the Christmas special. So I think that would work mm, work because yeah. uh, we'd have two weeks to reflect, and it, and we won't be having to wait another month for the Christmas episode. But there's no in a million years they'll never do that. Because they would want all the episodes in November, so that won't happen. <laughs> well, yeah, we do. We are getting the. Un- we are getting the. Uh, sorry, Ben. We are getting the underwater menace on the thirteenth. Um, so I don't know if they're. I don't want to overstate the importance of the underwater menaces release in the community, but I don't know if they'd they'd release an episode of the sixtieth and the underwater menace DVD in, in the same week. Um, Look, we're also getting, we're also getting all of Classic Who on the first of November on BBC. Do yeah, that that's going to be awesome. Do Apart we think? Oh uh, yeah, wait, 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 that's another podcast, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's oh, say yeah. that. Yeah, say that for another time because a lot of things <laughs> must happen around that. Um, but um, do we think out the which could happen that all the specials would happen on a three day cycle? Like a day after each other. Oh my, I uh, I doubt it, but it would be wow. That would be incredibly sure emotional. That. I'd feel a bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I would be a lot of emotions in in one short space of time. Yeah, that would be yeah. amazing. Imagine, uh, imagine because I don't know. Part of me thinks we're not getting an episode before the seventeenth. Because they're doing something on the seventeenth, so I don't know if that would link in after the first episode. If they did show the first episode mm. on the eleventh, because my theory is on the seventeenth is that they'll show some sort of mini episode um, of it, or potentially a multi doctor story or something. Um, for children in need, you mean? Yeah, yeah, for children in need. Yeah, um, yeah. and and oh, then oh my god, that'd be great. And then I don't yeah. know what they're doing on the twenty first. Oh my god, god yeah, because that's. That's the day before the the potentially the first episode would come out. 
So I that think could that be, it, you know, a trailer I it, maybe. I think it's more possible that that we'll get episode one the week before, and then ep- Children in Need they will re- they will reveal that episode two is going to be a multi doctor bonanza. Oh my god! And then we get episode yeah. two like shortly after that, potentially. I don't know how I feel about the giggle being the anniversary special, though. Do you know what I mean? Because hmm. that will be of the the week of the anniversary will be the giggle. Whereas it's, I think you know it's going to be funny, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... the title says it all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. But what I. What they done is they what Russell done is because they, he thought that he didn't do enough to for the 60th. So what they done is I think in a, in a night a six days a week or something, um, as in a six day studio they did something special. So I presume that's the 17th uh, or even the 23rd. But I think I, I mean. I reckon we'll get another trailer for it. Well, we won't get another trailer for the specials, but we'll probably get another trailer for the uh, air dates. That'd be amazing. and Or even like a Series 14 trailer or something. Yeah. I'd do, love that. Do, oh, my God. Wow. Because, because when they announced the names, they did like the Series 4 kind of uh, intros, didn't they? But do, I, I'm not yeah. sure. Do you think we'll get them, like them in the specials, or do you think they'll create some 60th anniversary special intro or something? I don't want them. I don't want them. I want something new or I want something nostalgic and that celebrates all of the history of Doctor Who. I think this new era of Doctor Who, or at least these three episodes, is playing off enough of nostalgia from that early Doctor Who era. You know, we're bringing back Catherine Tate. We're bringing back David Tennant. We're bringing back Russell. We're bringing back Murray. You know... It's like we're bringing it all back. Can we just have something new? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah. I love that we're bringing back these people. But I think oh. Doctor Who needs to keep fresh to entice new people. And... I think it will be... I think what's so genius about the 60th as a project is it is bringing back the old um, in terms of the Celestial Toymaker and in, in stuff like that um, and the Star Beast in homage to Doctor Who. But mm-hmm. it will feel new because it's being done in a, in a hyper commercial TV sort of thing. Um, so it's great in that it's honouring Doctor Who, but it's doing something new in the same breath. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, it's fantastic. I think. I think because we're getting that diamond logo, I think we might get mm-hmm. a revitalised version of the Pertwee. Um, opening sequence with the oh, yeah. uh the diamond the diamond isn't logo. that the tom isn't that tom's or is it tom i can't remember they that's tom's tom baker yeah, I think um, it was, yeah. yeah tom baker's first first half of his run that'd be um, nice but yeah I, that would be that would be cool yeah the um, intro is great I, I love it the intro uh well the new theme i think it's it's going to be cool um, how all the situations are going to happen. It's so exciting, but um, it's going to be really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, I mean, we we are in a little group chat with our friends 
with uh, with well, let's say a in a couple. Uh, it's a couple of friends in a little group chat. Like the uh, basically the only people we know that also like Doctor Who, and we were just sharing this this uh, theme song. And oh my god, it was it was so exciting just to all listen to it and think and share our views. I mean, what do you think, Mason? Do you how do you feel about the new theme song? I mean, listening to it, it's quite eerie um, from mm-hmm. what the National Orchestra of Wales are doing to it. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I play it over like yeah. I play it over the actual theme, and it does give me a little bit of a headache listening to it over <laughs> and over again. Um, and I don't know. I, I, maybe they just need to. I like it. I do. It's great. Uh, I like David the the addition to former eras, um, into the new. But yeah, for me, I love it. But it's just a bit eerie. And I reckon what we hear now will not be the final. It won't be the final intro. They will make yeah. it. I think different to suit the listeners when the, every intro is on. So you won't hear like the bashing. You won't hear all the instruments really. It's almost you won't be hearing any of that. You'll just be hearing the theme. So. At the moment in time, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. say it's my favourite intro. A lot of people mm. do. Everyone yeah, online they would be like, it's the best intro I've ever ever been. But until I get the actual final edition of the intro, because I don't, I'm not sure if this is because they said 2023. I'm not sure is this going to be the 60th anniversary intro going into series 14. Uh, I'm not sure, but I won't have a proper final opinion on it um, until I've actually seen it live. Yeah. yeah 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 i think that's that's pretty uh rational perspective actually um i just can't believe that we've that we've got it you know there was a time a year ago it's like we have we had next to nothing and they're giving us an opportunity to come on a pod and and talk about the 60th a bit more because because we don't cover it i mean we cover news um on our podcast but we don't really jump into the 60th quite as deeply as we as we do here because we we're usually covering a past episode in our main segment or something like that so yeah thank you thank you for giving us the space to do that and yeah thank you exciting thank you um it's a good time of year to do it of course uh yeah definitely definitely. but guys before we finish um i'm gonna ask you the question um as as we discussed before and then we can wave our smart screwdrivers about um so i'm gonna start i'm gonna start with joe if is there something in uh, the 60th anniversary that you want to happen a character that you want to return and what would you want i think it would be great if we had omega for episode two because then we get the star beast paying homage to doctor old comic we get the celestial toy maker paying homage to doctor original 60s villain and then we get omega the villain from the first ever anniversary special. I think that'd be great. Yeah, I I, I think that'd be great. I bring back more old villains. Um, yeah, 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 I agree. Um, ben, what about you? What do you want? I want to see Sylvester McCoy coming back on my screen. I love Sylvester McCoy. I love the Seventh Doctor. Uh, you know, I, I probably haven't spoke enough enough about this on our podcast but i love the seventh doctor i think he's the best classic doctor and i would love to see him come back in his full attire you know as a guest feature similarly to in power of the doctor i just want to see him again i just want to see more of him 
get Sylvester McCoy back on the screen. I want him again. Get him back. Get him back for sure. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that'd be good. Who knows? It might be Marty, Marty Doctors. It, it probably is already. Shoot, he's in it. Forty really Doctors so. in it. Uh, it has to be sixth anniversary. Is that's what everyone wants every ten years? Um, but yeah, who knows? Because in we saw a portal in 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 the recent trailer where the doctor was like something something something's come to this world. Maybe that's not the toy maker. Maybe the toy maker mm. finds his own way through. Maybe it's mysterious mm. amount of people. But um, yeah. if we remember in the first original trailer at Christmas, we saw an an unusual man walk into the toy maker shop. And we have no idea who that is. And there was a, a person on a bike when they revealed the titles of, of the names of the of the episode. Yeah. So there's yeah, yeah. some mysterious characters we still don't know, but who knows? All, that's all what the excitement brings to it. But uh yeah, if we Definitely we all wave we all wave our sonics about. Say a quote if you want, if not, just wave it about. So I think that's a good way. Right. Oh, so that's the wrong sound, on, you say your you say your quote first. It's the end of the universe. <laughs> so good so good all right hang on. let me uh flip it open what 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 <laughs> and uh i'll go um what the hell was going on here <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is going on here yeah <laughs> Definitely. A whole podcast that's just coming to its beautiful end. Yeah, <laughs> um, but thank you, um, Ben and Joe, for coming on today. Thank you for having oh, us. Thank you. Me. I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, I actually really enjoyed it. Found it a really chill time. Um, super comfortable, interesting conversations. Yeah, thank you, yeah. man. Honestly, yeah. talked about so much today. Yeah. Um, we- we definitely did. Yeah, yeah, we talked about death. <laughs> oh yeah, the death of the doctor. I think that's an episode, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it will be. Yeah, well, it's got to be. It will be now. Uh, but yeah, to anyone listening, um, wherever wherever you are listening from, uh, we hope you enjoy it as well. Uh, we hope you enjoy the 60th anniversary. Um, and yeah, have a good time. But but thank you, Joe and um Ben. I hope you have a nice evening. Um. And yeah. And you. And you, Mason. Thank you again. Thank you again. Thank you. Bye. Bye. See you later, everyone. Bye bye. Bye bye.